Hey, welcome to another episode of Grace and Truth with Johnny Rollett. Grace and Truth comes from John 1.14, where it says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Join us today on this podcast as we dive into deep revelation and find ways to make it understandable cowboy style simple that's the way i like it and i hope you do too i think i was with uh, my buddy uh, dan root i just lost the name for a second in wyoming the other day and and we went out to dinner and you know he he brought up something that i've already t- kind of taught on which is the whole you know paul saying it's a great mystery this whole thing is a great mystery and I think what happens is people, they try to intellectually at, and analytically understand God. Uh, um, if you can understand God and you're able to intellectually define every element of God, then he's not big enough or you're not that smart. <laughs> um and so he just kind of came up with uh, this uh, this term, embrace the mystery, embrace the mystery. I that's the thing is I'm only bringing the revelation that the Holy Spirit is giving to me at this moment, and I can tell you that in ten years, twenty years, hopefully this will seem small. Everything that I have been doing in 863 episodes. I'm hoping will either I'll either get revelation that I was wrong or that it was just the scratching the surface. I hope that there's so much more that I can't even begin to get my head around. And I know, I know that this is one of those portions of scripture that I guarantee you, guarantee you that I don't totally I am not encapsulating one of my pet peeves is when God, when people then try to, you know, like bring up their intellectualism and and you know, you know, like faith. There's I I know that there's like twenty different doctrinal theses on faith, based on what people don't understand. As soon as a human doesn't understand the full gamut of something, the first thing we do is try to make a theology or a doctrinal thesis on on explaining it away. So here's a great one. Why doesn't God heal everybody? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, let me tell you, brother, sometimes the Lord is trying to teach you a lesson. That's a bad theology. Uh, sometimes God just chooses not to heal somebody. Uh, you know, and because they got they got sin in their life. And how about this? How about we don't know? How about it that it's a great mystery? How about how do we? Why do we always need to try to intellectualize and define every element? I heard somebody. I think one of the greatest cop outs, and I was a part of the denomination, so I went right along with it. Is this? You know, brother, we we don't know why God doesn't heal everybody, but we do know that the the you may not get your healing down here, 
But you're going to get your healing when you get to heaven. Listen, I'm not saying that's not true. That you, you, you will be fully healed when you're in heaven. But what I would say is that, that to just carte blanche, that's a cop-out. Here's the bottom line. Is we are called to believe. We are called to stand in faith. We are, are called to speak life. And sometimes we speak life when we don't see the, the end from the beginning. And sometimes we just have to trust God that we don't understand it all. But it doesn't change the confession of our mouth. It doesn't change the belief in our heart. We just keep on believing. We keep on walking. And we keep on trusting no matter what the circumstance looks, no matter how bad the storm is, you just got to remember you got Jesus in your boat. You don't need to. I think one of the worst things that happens to a Christian is they become analytical. I can tell you that I don't believe analyticalism is, is and I just made up a whole new word, analyticalism. So, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's from God. I think that's the human brain trying to, trying to break down the mystery. So write this on your on your wall today and tag me in it. Embrace the mystery. Embrace the mystery. He's a big God, and he's bigger than your intellectualism and your analyticalism. Take that. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all that to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these down to some degree. <clears throat> I want to make a caveat here. I'm so sorry. I don't believe that I think there's been too many theological thought processes on believing that that because Paul, the order that Paul puts these in are important. I don't believe that that the fact that he left out some things makes that important. I think Paul is just writing. So don't don't try to that's one of the things we do as humans is we try to try to turn it every little thing into a six week series sermon. You know, here let's just go through some of these, all right? Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth. The thing is, he's quoting a lot of this. Having girded your waist with truth. Go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. And you're just like, well, that's not truth. So, but what's weird is I, did, I was reading this and I was struggling with this. Like, well, that's not, I know that's where he's getting it from, but that's not, that doesn't say the truth is, uh, you know, gird your waist with truth. That's righteousness and faithfulness. But what I forgot is we're, this is Hebrew. This is Hebrew. Paul didn't read or use Hebrew. He read Hebrew. He didn't use Hebrew. He uses the Septuagint, which is the Greek the Greek perspective or the Greek interpretation of that same thing. So let me read you the Greek of that. So the Septuagint 
of Isaiah chapter 11 verse 5 says this, And he will be girded at the waist with righteousness and enclosed with truth at his sides. Man, that's, see, in essence what Paul is trying to say and, and then, you know, then you get all these preachers, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily, but they're like, you know, you got to gird yourself with truth, and you know, they make this whole thing up with this is your vulnerable part. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's really what he was trying to say. I don't think it's a bad thought, uh, but I think more of it is out of your loins comes your future. Out of your loins comes the next generation. So... The next generation needs truth. And having the truth in your life will change your future. And I think there might be something to that. I don't know. I don't want to overstate it and make it something it's not. I just think it's kind of interesting that it's protecting your, the truth is protecting your loins, which is kind of the a perspective of your future. Kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't make a, write a doctrinal thesis on that, but. So having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, let me show you where he got that at. Is go to Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17 says, For, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head <clears throat> he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and he was clad with zeal as a cloak here's the part i think is so interesting this is almost like it makes the word come more alive that you also realize that yes paul is inspired by the holy spirit but he's still he is a man writing this and he literally I don't think he has the Septuagint in front of him. I think he has it memorized. So I think what's going on with Paul is that he's just pulling this stuff here and there and here and there. And in one perspective, I think it's interesting of what he leaves out. What, don't you see what, what part of this did he leave out? So let's go back and read the scripture. All right. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All right? Watch this scripture. So this is where he gets it from is Isaiah 59, 17. And he says, For he put on the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and then this is what he left out. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. He didn't talk about no cloak and he didn't talk about no vengeance. Why? Why? Why do you... Th I just find it interesting that Paul left that out. Why do you think he left it out? There could be lots of reasons. He Because we don't need a cloak. Because then all of a sudden you'd be all, all you Christians be thinking you're superheroes. <laughs> no, I think it's because Jesus is our Jesus took the vengeance, Jesus took the wrath. So we don't. This no longer applies. 
in the New Testament. People, I'm going to tell you right now, I know I'm going to get somebody going to be mad at me for saying that. But Paul leaves it out. And it's left out because Christians for thousands of years have taken these scriptures and used them as a right to go to war. They use it as a right to pick up their Bibles and turn it into a weapon of destruction. Because he, all of a sudden, if I read that scripture from Isaiah and the Old Covenant, he put on his garments of vengeance, and therefore, by God, I've been called to bring vengeance to the people, and I'm clad with the cloak of zeal, and I'm ready to take the mountain and go knock around some unsaved Philistines. Come on. I think Jesus took the wrath. He took our vengeance. Jesus even says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So Paul is saying, you know, listen, put on the right, put on the breastplate, put on the helmet of salvation, right? But you don't need to stuff for your vengeance. All you need, all, the reason that you need the breastplate is because it's the breastplate of his righteousness, it's going to cover your heart. His righteousness makes you whole and complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken, right? And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench the fiery darts. So you, you need to be protected. See, if you notice all of these weapons but one, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. All the, all the stuff that Paul is listing here, all but one, is defensive. But Paul started out the whole thing saying, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. And above that, he even says, For we wrestle not with flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. places. See, Jesus took the vengeance. I think so many Christians forget. This, they pick up the word of God and use it as a sword to cut and be offensive. I want to show you that it's not offensive to someone else. It's supposed to be for you. But I want to I want to land on something, uh, something praying always with the prayer of supplication and the Spirit, being watchful to this end with the pres uh, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let me go back to this one piece. This is the one part that I'm going to land hard on right here, and then tomorrow we're going to land on the sword, and then we're going to be done. Land on the sword. Don't do that. Come on. All right. Watch this. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me show you that. In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, it says this. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news and who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. 
the let, let's connect that come on get it and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace Jesus is peace Jesus is our peace and I think this is the one I'm going to land kind of hard on and I'm going to challenge you a little bit <clears throat> I think that I have I've been thinking about this for about two weeks just letting my brain just simmer on the preparation of the gospel the good news of peace how beautiful are the feet of the ones who bring good news of the gospel of peace the good news of peace I think that where we are as a country where we are as a kingdom people is that we're peace is not being fought, found the Jesus the king of peace the prince of peace is not being found in our churches it's almost heartbreaking to me as I I don't want to ever be a guy that stands on a soapbox and and just says what everybody's doing wrong but this one just hits me different that we're losing gener a whole generation because their people are coming into the church and going through a whole sermon and not hearing about Jesus we're hearing about why other doctrines are wrong we're, we're, we're learning about why why fundamentalism needs to come back we're learning about the fear of God trembling in front of God we're we're learning about all that kind of stuff but without Jesus there's no peace the peace that's missing is the peace of Jesus the good news I, I feel like that when people are are hungry and coming into our churches and there there's no peace and, and instead of being taught about Jesus and the peace of Jesus the good news of the gospel I feel like that what they're being they're being taught about is is about why our government is wrong why the right is right and the left is wrong or the left is right and the right is wrong and and you know if we could only get the right guy into the into the presidency and 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 I know this offends a lot of people and I I do think, and I, I got to be very careful because I do feel like it's very important to know the issues of the day, and I have never wavered from this to be a member, a good standing member of your community. But when you're coming in to the holiness, the sanctity, the sacredness of coming together as a body of Christ to take the Eucharist, the blood, and the blood of the body and the blood and bringing that and feeding the people <clears throat> if you're not feeding them Jesus they're leaving hungry they're leaving with no peace I I don't I don't believe that it's not that it's that it's that it's not important to 
to vote correctly and know the issues of the day. But, but Jesus is more than. Jesus is better than. Jesus is the peace that rules the world. And it don't, can, can I tell you this? It don't matter who we get in as president over Jesus. Jesus still rules and reigns, whoever it is. If we get, if we get the, the right president into the presidency, it isn't going to fix our country. Only Jesus is going to fix the country. It doesn't matter if we get the Republicans in or the Democrats in. That is not going to fix our world. Only Jesus fixes our world. We are being distracted. Men and women of God, I'm calling out to you. We're being distracted and we've lost sight of the Prince of Peace. And, and we've lost sight of bringing the preparation of our the the, our feet are prepared with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And without that, people, there is no hope. There is no life. If your world is confined by mask or no mask, COVID shot or no COVID shot, pre Democrat or Republican, QAnon, all the conspiracies, if that consumes you, you don't have peace. Because Christ is the only consuming fire that has the power to bring life. I believe that when Jesus says that he, he waved the fire to fan the flame he was literally just eradicating the shaft and the, the the garbage of our life to burn up all of this other peripheral ridiculous stuff i'm not saying that those things don't matter but if we ever elevate those things above christ then they are ridiculous shaft, ridiculous garbage that has attached itself to our lives. And Jesus, his desire is to burn off the garbage. And if you get your life in order, and Christ is the head, and you are the body, seated in heavenly places, and seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of, of authority, but He's the head, and you are seated in a position of resting in His goodness, resting in His peace, resting in His life, and you are seated correctly in His peace. Then everything else, it doesn't mean that everything else doesn't matter, but everything else pales in comparison pales in comparison so I'm going to end with this and having shod your feet so here's the deal I just, I'm going to put it in cowboy terms today if you're not walking in peace if your life is full of anxiety and stress and worry and doubt and fear 
Change your shoes. Change your shoes, man. Walk in peace. Here, let me say it a better way. Walk in Christ. Walk in Christ. It's in Christ that you, because he is peace. He is our peace. And if you don't have peace, you need to change your shoes. That's good. I hope you have a great day. I hope that you're blessed today. I hope that you know that Christ is your source. He is your peace. He is your rest. He is your hope. He's the love that covers you today.